The beasts and birds that lived in the wilderness always offered to help, but Littlefur needed all her tact and judgment to deal with them. The squirrels became so mad with excitement that they were incapable of even their usual scatterbrained usefulness, and although most of the birds were willing, they forgot any instruction almost the moment it had been given. But the rabbits were steady as long as boldness was not required, and the weasels and stoats were clever and nimble. Several stalwart older burrowers worked hard, preparing different sorts of burrows and nests for the visitors. As midwinter approached, Little Fur began to allow herself to feel excited instead of anxious about the gathering. This was the one time of year when she would see others like herself, born in the last age of the world. Because they were older, they would have tales to tell and songs to sing about the age when magic ruled and wizards and elves wove wonders from it. She would hear news and gossip from the rest of the land, the great plains and forests and mountains that lay beyond the human city. In turn, Little Fur would be questioned about the doings of humans. She was considered an authority because of the number of times she had ventured into their city to plant seeds to strengthen the flow of earth magic. Most of the visitors knew Little Fur as a healer, and some would bring important gifts, the spores of special mushrooms or the seeds of rare berries which could not be found in the city or the wilderness. Little Fur always tried to prepare small gifts to give in return. With so much to do, Little Fur was grateful that so many beasts and birds slept or flew south for the winter. Lucky, too, that those creatures still awake were less likely to be hurt by road beasts, which seemed to dread the snow. If they came out at all after heavy snow, they crept along the black roads as if they were barely awake. Some came only when their human masters had chained them. Most of the creatures Little Fur met believed it was the power of winter that made the road beasts sleepy and reluctant, but others argued that the snow covering the black roads allowed the earth magic to flow, which confused them. But there was still healing work for Little Fur. One afternoon she found a rabbit whose paw had been crushed by a falling branch. She carried the doe back to the cave where she made and stored her potions and herbs and did much of her winter healing. Delicately she aligned the broken bones and then Tillet splintered and bandaged the paw. The large, taciturn hare was her most competent and steadfast helper, and she worked gently but firmly, ignoring the frightened whimper of the rabbit. "'You have been brave,' Little Fur said very softly, and the rabbit went limp with pride and amazement. Tillet sent Little Fur a sardonic look, but made no comment. Little Fur stroked the rabbit while she looked around the cave. The walls were pocked on all sides with niches of varying sizes that had been dug by two obliging moles. Many of them were filled with packets of herbs and powders all carefully made up and marked with runes to explain their use. Other niches were heaped with stones that contained certain minerals necessary to healing, or tubers, or seeds waiting to be sliced or crushed or ground. One large niche contained an abandoned beehive whose honey had been drained into a gourd and wax scraped out for use in salves and ointments. It was now being used as a nest by a large family of field mice. There was an ermine 
recovering in the niche beside it, and higher up were nests occupied by birds with injured wings who could not fly away for winter. These would remain in the cave until spring, and a few had surrendered to the enchantment of winter sleep, just to see how it felt. The cave was warmer at the back, because a trickle of hot spring water welled from a split rock and pooled in a natural stone bowl, where it shimmered with a strange blue light. Beside it slept a large blind tabby cat with three kittens. A fourth swaggered in a circle beneath a cluster of bats suspended from a root. Dangling beside them was a fat braid of garlic, strings of wild onions and bunches of herbs. Towards the front of the cave there were clusters of dried leaves and berries of many different kinds suspended from thongs of plaited reed and along a special shelf was a row of small nut gourds containing little...